The question we ask this morning, and it's a really fascinating one. This is a great story for us to look at. But why this waste? Why this waste? It's a question that we find in the Gospel of Matthew. Almost all these questions are going to come out of the Gospel of Matthew. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter 26, verses 6 through 13. These all take place in the last week of Jesus' life. And so we are at this point probably on Tuesday or Wednesday of the last week. On Thursday, he has the Last Supper with his disciples. Then he's betrayed and arrested. Friday morning, uh, he's on trial. Friday afternoon, he's crucified and dies and then he's buried, okay? And so we are close to that. We're a day or two before that all starts, those events at the end of the week. And this is what Matthew tells us. He says, while Jesus was in Bethany. All right, slow down. Let's find out where Bethany is. Here's a map that I find really helpful. This is Jerusalem up at the top, and then on this side here, and this would be to the, to the east, all right, is the Mount of Olives, and then over here is Bethany, okay? That's where, where Bethany is, and that's where Jesus is. You see, it's a smaller village. It's about two miles away from Jerusalem. Jesus often stayed there so that he didn't have to be in the busyness of the city. And, and this is during the Passover time, so Jerusalem has swelled to three or four times its normal population. Jesus has a quiet night, and his disciples, they have a quiet night in Bethany, all right? So while Jesus was in Bethany, in the home of Simon the leper... We don't know who Simon is. We actually know he's probably, he's got to be Simon the former leper because if he was a present leper, he wouldn't, they wouldn't be able to go to his house. They wouldn't be able to be in his home. So Jesus must have healed him somewhere along the road. And now Jesus is there and he's in his home. A woman came to him with an alabaster jar. If you wonder what alabaster looks like, that's why I brought this in. This is alabaster. Um, this would not have been as, this is not as nice as what she would have had, would have been scoped out more. But just if you get an idea, this is what alabaster looks like. I was able to pick that up when I was in the Middle East a number of years ago. Probably her jar was larger than that. So she came to him with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume. And when they say very expensive, they mean very expensive. A year's wage, thirty to forty thousand dollars of perfume, which she poured out on his head as he was reclining at the table. When the disciples saw this, they were indignant. Why this waste? They asked. This perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. Aware of this, Jesus said to them, Why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. When she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. Truly I tell you, wherever this gospel is preached throughout the whole world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. And we do that again today. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I think for the disciples on this day, more than anything else, what they would have felt is they would have felt confusion. If you read the Gospels, one of the things you discover is that the disciples are often confused by Jesus. They think they have him figured out. They think they have this put together of, of what Jesus is all about, of what Jesus wants from them, of, of, of who Jesus loves and, and what Jesus is doing. They think they have it all figured out, and then time and time again, they do something and Jesus said, no, that's not right. You got to change this. You got to change. No, this is not. And, 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 and so they were often confused because they couldn't quite figure out Jesus. 
And this time they were sure they had. This one is especially confusing because this time they were sure that they understood. Jesus had been so clear. You see, he had just preached a powerful sermon. It it was a sermon about the final judgment. It's in Matthew 25. We are in Matthew 26. So it's just before this. A sermon on the final judgment where Jesus had said that the king, and he's talking about himself, that the king is going to come back one day and he's going to divide people into two groups. (laughs) The sheep on his right and the goats on his, well, the goats on his left. But this doesn't matter where you're sitting today. But the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Jesus says that the king, he himself... The king will say to those on his right, Come, you are blessed by my father. Take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, Jesus said, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and and, uh, you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. So come on into the kingdom of God, because you loved me those ways. And and it's interesting, I don't know if you've ever noticed in the story, but the sheep say, when did we do that to you? (laughs) I mean, Jesus is there now in all of his glory, right? Jesus is there, and they're like, "Uh, you never showed up at the shelter. (laughs) We would have remembered this. This is, uh, yeah, you did it. No, we never visited you in jail. And the king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Ah, we get it. The disciples were like, yes, okay, we we get it. We need to care for the poor. We need to care for the hungry. We need to care for those in prison. We need to care for the least of these, right? That's how we love Jesus. That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to care for those who are weak. Bingo, right? Jesus had just preached this sermon. And now they're in the home of Simon the leper, okay? And this woman comes in. And and we don't know if they know her, maybe. I mean, this was a smaller community, but maybe she had traveled into town and and, and, and so on and and came out to Bethany. But this woman comes in and takes this jar of $40,000 worth of perfume and she pours it on his head. Forty grand gone. And, and there they sit. I mean, imagine it. There they sit, and there's $40,000 just going down Jesus' body, and it's going into the, the dirt floor. It's going into the dirt floor, and it's just disappearing. And the disciples are like, this woman is crazy. She doesn't get it. She doesn't get what Jesus really wants. She doesn't understand that Jesus is about feeding hungry people. He doesn't want all this stuff for himself. And they were indignant. It it means filled with righteous anger. And it makes perfect sense. Before we get all religious on them and say, oh, we would never have done that. Just imagine this. This is a picture of $40,000. These are not my $40,000. These were seized by the police, okay? No, I don't have $40,000 in my mattress, so don't break in and look for it. All right, this was seized by the police. It's forty grand. You see the, the hundreds, the fifties, the twenties, the tens. That's, that's what that amount of money. And so I want you to imagine that I actually did have that much, and I had a big bowl here, and I put all the lettuce in there, all the cash in there, right? And I put lighter fluid on it, 
And I say, I want you to know that I love Jesus more than anything else. And I strike a match and I throw it in. You're going to say, that's the stupidest thing you've ever done, Ron. I can understand if you give away 40 grand. I can understand if you want to say you love Jesus and you want to do something like that. But to burn it up to say, oh, God just wants this, this smoke sacrifice. It's gone. And it's just, I mean, that's why they were indignant. I actually tried to get myself, I have a $100 bill that I actually, somebody, and I really, really wanted to take it and burn it up for you, but I don't want to. Because it'd be stupid. You'd be mad at me, right? And you'd say, why this waste? Nice try, Ron. Glad you love Jesus, Ron. But this money could have been given to the poor. This perfume could have been given to, been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. They were indignant. Now, one thing I want us to understand is that when they confronted this woman, she must have been away from the table because what happens next in verse 10, we read this, aware of this, Jesus said to them. So whenever Matthew says aware of this or knowing what they were thinking, Jesus is not in that situation. So the woman must have done it, walked away, and that's when the disciples came over to her. That's when the disciples came over to her and they were like, why this waste? Why are you doing this? You just don't get it. Aware of this, Jesus said to them, why are you bothering her? She's done a beautiful thing. Okay. And, and that's, that's where the confusion just takes off. What do you mean, Jesus? Come on. What are you thinking? Why? I mean, you just said, we listened. We didn't fall asleep during this sermon. You just said the sheep and the goats and feeding hungry people. You just said visiting those in prison. You just said that's what you want. And she just burned up 40 grand. And you're mad at us for trying to teach her? In a hungry world, that could have bought a lot. Of food. Wasn't that a waste, Jesus? What are you talking about? And, and again, <laughs> just think about it. I mean, I Jesus says, no, that was not a waste. It was a beautiful thing that she did. Why? Why does Jesus say this? Why did Jesus respond the way that he did to this woman? Why? What is going on here? That's why I say such a great story, because on the one hand, it is the crazy, I mean, can you imagine being there and just watching $40,000 worth of perfume? Just gone. Crazy. Why did Jesus say it was a beautiful thing? Why did Jesus say, stop bothering her, get off her back? I want to suggest three things, and each one has a lesson for us. Each one is a challenge and an invitation to us. The first reason I think Jesus confronts the disciples, why Jesus is frustrated and, and, and upset about the disciples is that Jesus cares so deeply about people, especially when people are under attack. And, and, and I think part of the lesson for us here is, is that Jesus wants us to know that even if the disciples were right, even if the disciples were right, that this was not the smartest move, that they maybe come up with something else, even if they had been right, and they weren't, we'll look at that in a minute, but even if they had been right, they were going about it in the wrong way. I mean, they went and they attacked this woman. They went and they, I mean, Jesus says, why are you bothering her? And that word bothering is, why are you causing her trouble? Why are you hurting her? Why are you trashing her? Don't you realize she's a child of mine? She's a sister in Christ. 
Don't you realize that even if she's wrong-headed, she's done this out of sincere devotion to me? Jesus wants us to know that, that just because we're right, even if we are right, we don't get to trash the people who are wrong. We don't get to, to just treat them like they're nothing. And so much of the time, the church has done just that. And I have done that. This is one that hits me. Because I like to be right. But Jesus says, I care about people, especially those under attack. I said earlier they were filled with righteous anger, and that's true. And, and sometimes righteous anger can be good. It can get us out of our comfort zone. It can get us to stand up and to say, no, we're not going to allow this to happen. We're going to stand with this person. We're not going to allow that injustice to take place. Righteous anger can be good, but we need to be so careful with it. Because sometimes when we're filled with righteous anger, we feel like we have permission in God's name to just trash the people around us, to just crush those who don't get it right. Dale Bruner, in his commentary, pictures this going something like this. The, the disciples say, why this waste? Jesus says, why this attack? The disciples say, why this irresponsible use of money? Jesus says, why this irresponsible use of a human? Even if the disciples were right, they were right in the wrong way. And like I say, I need to hear that. Because I do take being right seriously. And that's okay. But sometimes in my taking right seriously, I will not just say, hey, I think that person's theology of prayer is off. I think that person's theology of the Holy Spirit could lead to some dangerous thing. About a brother and sister in Christ, I'll say, well, they're just an idiot. They're just stupid. They're just this. They're just that. And I'll, try, and I'll do that, and I'll crush one of God's people. I've done it to some of you, and I am so sorry. Where I've just, And I think that's something Jesus never does. And, and I look at it, and I think, again, Think about some of the ways Christians talk to each other. Election, COVID. There were a lot, of, a lot of righteous anger, but I think there was a lot of attack going on. And it was not in love saying, hey, I, I, think, I think you're off on this one. It was taking a brother and sister in Christ, somebody who's genuinely in love with Jesus, and trashing that person. That's what the disciples did. I do sometimes, and maybe you do as well. So that's the first thing. Jesus cares about people, especially those under attack. The second reason I think Jesus says, no, it's a beautiful thing. Guys, you've got to understand this. And, 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 and this is just challenging as well. But Jesus knows that great love sometimes needs to express itself in great ways. If you've ever been deeply in love, you know that sometimes love goes over the top. And guys, if it's never gone over the top, I would suggest sometime in the next month you do that because your wife is listening, okay? But at some point, you do something that's downright stupid. You say, we're going to go spend 500 bucks on supper tonight because I don't know how else to tell you I love you. I'm going to buy you four dozen roses because I don't know how else to tell you I love you. I'm going to do... I, I had a friend who, when he got engaged, lit 400 candles in the room where they got engaged. The police enjoyed it. The firemen enjoyed it. No, it did not burn. You say, that's nuts. How long did that take you? Hours. What were you thinking? I'm in love. And sometimes when you're in love, you do crazy things. 
Sometimes when you're in love, you, you let it go extravagantly. And this woman was overwhelmed by her love for Jesus. We don't know the story. We don't even know her name, but, but we know something about her story. We know that she was missing something in her life. Maybe she had been a prostitute, a suggestion of that. Maybe she had been abused by a spouse, or maybe she'd been abandoned as a child. Maybe she looked okay on the outside like a lot of us, but inside was just torn apart. But whatever it was, there was something deeply missing in her life. And when she heard Jesus, when she met Jesus, when Jesus looked in her eyes, she knew it was okay. And somehow she knew that her father in heaven loved her. And it shaped her and it changed her and it gave her hope and it gave her strength and it meant so much to her that she was just overwhelming in love. And she knew she wanted to do something and she didn't know what to do. How? I don't know how to love him. Right? I don't know how to love him. How do I do that? And she realized she had one thing. It's interesting this sort of a thing, an alabaster jar of perfume, you didn't have banks in that day. And so one of the ways a family would, would hold on to their wealth is to buy perfume. And, and so it's likely that this was sort of the family savings, maybe from a generation or two or three. It was only to be sold when you were in the most dangerous of circumstances, when things were the most difficult, because this was the security net. You could sell this and live for a year or two if you really stretched it. And something inside of her, I think it was the Holy Spirit, I'll tell you that in a minute, prompted her to say, I want to give this to Jesus. I I, he's my hope. He's my security. And she went and she poured it all over her, him. It's an amazing thing. When was the last time that happened to me? When was the last time that happened to you? When was the last time that you were so overwhelmed with the love of Jesus? When was the last time you were so amazed at the fact that he died for you, that he took your sins, that you just were like, Jesus, I don't care what anybody thinks. I just need to sing. I just need to raise my whatever. And I'm not saying you got to raise your hands, okay? I don't know. But I just got to do something that I don't care what anybody else thinks about. I got to just say, Jesus, I love you and I want the world to know. I mean, Tom Cruise is jumping up and down on the couch, right? Because he's in love with Katie, was it, at the time? And I worry what you think when I'm worshiping the one who died for me. When was the last time I've done that? The fact is, I can't, I can't make myself feel that. I can't make you feel that. But one of the values of Lent, one of the reasons this is a powerful season, is that we look at Jesus and we see his love and we come to the cross. And as we go through this last week, as we go through these questions, we see over and over again say, Jesus saying, I love you this much. I give it all to you. And as I see how much he loves me, and I know I'm okay, and I know I'm forgiven, then I want to just give my life to him. I want to worship him with extravagant love. But what about the poor? Uh, Jesus says this. He says, the poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. Some people have taken this <laughs> to say that, um, well, Jesus really says, don't worry about the poor because they're always going to be there. You're never going to be able to eliminate poverty. That's not what Jesus is saying. If anything, Jesus is saying, while you got my body, love me. When I'm gone, love the poor. And in some ways, I think he might be saying, be extravagant. And sometimes, let the poor 
go spend their money on a, a double whopper at Burger King or something really, really extravagantly good. Um, that's my taste, okay? Uh, but Jesus is not saying we don't have to worry about the poor. He's saying this was a good thing. This was kind of a, a one-off, okay? For the most part, we're supposed to just... But Jesus does want us to know. I mean, we are supposed to love the poor and serve the poor and, and help the poor and those in need. But I think Jesus is also saying something here, though, about saying he doesn't want us just to work for him. He wants us to love him and to be with him. Jesus is saying, you know what, sometimes I just, I did this so that we could be in a family. And yeah, I want you to go out and serve me and to give your life away in serving me. But I also want you to sometimes just be with me and love me and let me love you. And, and, and so that's this picture. Again, think of, of Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus. This is that sort of a thing. Jesus knows that great life, love sometimes expresses itself in great ways. All right, so Jesus cares deeply about people, especially those under attack. He knows that great love sometimes is extravagant. <clears throat> and then one more. Jesus understands what's really happening in this moment. The woman really doesn't get what she's doing, which I think is wonderful. But Jesus gets it. He gets it. He knows that he will soon be crucified. He knows that this body is going to be battered and bruised and beaten and whipped and spit on, and it's going to die. It is going to be painful. He knows that he is going to take the sins of the world onto him. He knows that he is going to be abused. He knows that the Father is going to turn his back on him. And I think what really is going on here is that this moment is helping him to prepare. That's what this moment is about. That's why Jesus says, she's done a beautiful thing to me. When she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. And so what I think is really happening here is that this moment is ultimately a gift from the Father to the Son through this woman. The Father is saying, I know what's going to happen. And I give you this gift of knowing that you are loved. And though your body will be abused, and as a crucifixion victim, it would not get properly prepared for burial. God does that here. He goes through this woman. I don't think she knew what she was doing. She didn't have a clue of that. She was just loving Jesus. But what I think is so cool with this is that this woman, without even knowing it, renewed Jesus' strength. She was just trying to love Jesus, but she also, in loving Jesus, she gave him renewed strength. She gave him renewed passion. And I wonder how often we can do something like that. You know, the fact is, here's what this story, one of the things this story that teaches us is that we don't know what God is going to do when we love him. And, 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 and when we serve and when we pour out our hearts and we give our, we don't know how God's going to use it. And I, I love that idea. The New Testament talks about it in Hebrews 13, verse 2. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some have shown hospitality to the angels without knowing it. See, there's a long pattern of God's people thinking they're showing love to A, and in reality, it's for God. And I, it's, it's almost impossible for me to imagine that Jesus needed help, right? I mean, he's Jesus. But he was also fully human. And he needed that love. He needed that assurance. He needed that care. And he still wants that love from us. He still wants us to just offer ourselves and all that we have to him. It's such a cool thing. 
Jesus says, truly I tell you, wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. And so here we sit at the beginning of Lent and with an invitation. And this is part of why, again, we want to have these devotionals to let it be more than just a Sunday to different times during the week reflect on this and to maybe think specifically about this woman because she shows us that Jesus is worth everything, that Jesus is, is so beautiful, that Jesus, it, what a wonderful name it is, what a powerful name it is. She knows that, and, and she shows that, and we see that. And when we do, we worship, and we give him our lives. Let's pray. Father, take our lives. They don't necessarily even feel like they're worth 30 or 40 grand most of the time. Sometimes we feel like they're worth very little. But they're what we have. Jesus, you are so amazing what you did for us. That you died on the cross so we could live. And so let us worship you with all that we have and all that we are. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.